Fantastic. God is so good. I, I guess I get carried away and get excited every time I come to minister. Because when, I, when I'm preparing... Oh yeah, just one last thing. If, if you do need your children to go out, the community hall is open. So feel free to take them out there. But we don't have a kids' church today because it's family service. I'm happy with a little bit of noise. I, have n- I get so zoned in, I don't hear anything. All right? So, you know, you, you, could, you could feel free, stay chilled. But if you need to, or you get too sort of restless, feel free to use the other hall. That would be great. So that's, that's good. So I, I get really excited as I'm preparing because as I'm preparing, the Lord's speaking to my heart. And I have to examine my heart and then as I come to deliver it, I know that, that God's worked in my life. He's worked things through in my heart. And then I can deliver it to each one of us as well. Because the Word of God is life-changing. And I'm believing this morning in each of our hearts. I've been praying this through the week. I've been praying it this morning um, in the prayer room. And I'm believing right now that the Holy Spirit will take a hold of the Word, the message that's prepared, and He will drop it into your heart so that it manifests as a revelation or that it, re- it will be revealed to your life so that it changes an area for you. So what am I talking about? We're talking for the month of January about breakthrough. So that we're halfway through 31 days of our breakthrough. We're on day 16, I think it is. And today, the Lord was dealing with me about internal breakthrough. See, very often we want to see outside situations. We want to see a breakthrough in that person's life. We want to see a breakthrough in that person's situation. We want to see a breakthrough from, from this or that or the other. But actually, this morning, the Lord wants to deal with the internal of who we are. Very often, before we can see an external breakthrough, we need to see an internal breakthrough. And that breakthrough happens to be in this area of our heart. And, and, and I believe that it's so important. You know, when, whenever Jane and I are supporting people or walking with them through the difficulties or the circumstances of their life, I will very often sit there chatting and having a conversation, but looking for a root or an issue that may be in their heart that's, that's stopping or blocking God breaking through in their life. There's no point dealing with the surface without dealing with the root. Because it will just, I think you said this a couple of weeks ago, because whatever is in the root will begin to flourish again and come back. We want to deal with root situations so that the, 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 the remainder of it doesn't keep coming to the surface. And I've got these three things here. We can blame others for the things that they've done to us. And we can continue to live with a blame mentality. Or we can blame others for the words they spoke about us. They may have spoken words to you or spoken words about you. But we can live for the rest of our life in accordance to what was spoken. You know, someone may have really hurt you. Maybe in a, a husband and wife situation. And you're just carrying that hurt in your, in your heart. And it's affecting that relationship. It may have been something as a child that your parents said to you. And it's just continued to, to be a, a wound in your life that has never really fully healed. It may be something someone on that side of the church said to someone on this side of the church. And therefore, you never sit on the same side of the church. But do you know what? It's so real 
because we carry things in our heart. And then the third thing is this, we can blame others for the way our life has been affected by them. And the situation is we can always apportion blame regarding situations in our journey of our life. We all go through life. And life deals, blows, whoever you are. It, it, I, I have had blow after blow after blow through my life. But God has always enabled me to deal with those blows so that I can come back in victory. And the key is this. You may feel justified in blaming others, but you will always be paying the price for their wrongs. You may feel justified blame or, or, or holding blame or holding an issue or keeping a grudge or carrying offense. You may feel you're justified in doing so. But in doing so, you will always be paying the price for their wrongdoing. That's why it's so important that we hear what the Lord wants to say to us today. Every time we harbor unforgiveness in our heart, we enable the enemy to have a foothold in our life. That is such an incredible statement, but it's true in God's word. Every time we hold an unforgiveness, a grudge, an offense, or whatever it would be, a, a bitterness or a frustration, every time we hold that in our heart, we enable the enemy to have a foothold and whenever the enemy has a foothold, he will begin to look for ways to obtain a stronghold in our life. And it is vital that we don't allow him to take an inch, because if he gets an inch of our life, he will look to take a mile. And we will live for the rest of our life, paying for what somebody else did to us, or what somebody else said to us. We will live the rest of our life the key to living free is to forgive. The key for not walking, paying for the rest of your life for what somebody else did is to forgive and to forgive fully. Now, I know whenever you talk about forgiveness, there's two camps, really, when it comes to forgiveness. There are those who are struggling to forgive someone, and therefore they begin to feel condemned. Don't feel condemned in the room. Con condemnation comes from the enemy. It causes you to feel unfit for use. Don't allow the enemy to already negate the word that God wants to impart to you today. So, receive the word with an openness. There are others in the room you think, well, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I, I have no issue with anybody great. Watch out, because the likelihood is at some point, sometime soon, at some point in your life, you will need to walk in these things. So don't, don't, we can't sit there feeling smug, and we can't sit here feeling condemned. But allow the imparted, implanted Word of God to change us. That's all I'm asking, and I believe that's what the Word of God is asking as well. The bottom line of this is, is Jesus wants us free from every kind of issue that can hold on to our heart, that can penetrate and linger in the soul of who we are. No wonder the Word of God says, keep your heart with all diligence. This is, we're talking heart 
issue stuff. This morning we're dealing with the heart of who we are. Protect or keep your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flows the issues of life. For good, for God, or for your harm and for the the, the benefit of the enemy in your life. It all happens in the area of our heart. Do you know what you can, you and I, or me personally, I talk about me personally. Sometimes I can have a love-hate relationship with some of the things I read in God's Word. I love the Word of God, but when it asks me to do something I don't want to do, I can not like the Word of God so much. You know what I'm talking about? This is love-hate relationship, and the scripture I'm about to read is one of those. Listen to this. In, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says this, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must, must do. It's like, oh, if anyone's got a complaint, you know, even as Christ forgave me, great, I, I love that bit, Christ forgave me. If I've done something wrong to somebody else, Christ forgives me. But then <laughs> the flip side is, if I've done something wrong, I must go and ask for forgiveness as well. So I must forgive others in this journey. Just to the degree in which I'm forgiven is the degree in which I must forgive. That's hard. Because some situations, you think, no, I'm justified in holding that grudge. I'm justified not giving, giving that person the opportunity to, to know that they're forgiven. I'm justified to not go down that way. But let me tell you, you're not, there is no just way in this except to forgive and then to move on. Or else the hurt that they did will continue to, to withdraw from the account of your life as long as you live. And we don't want the enemy drawing from the account of our life those things that he once stole. Let's embrace this thought this morning. Jesus didn't die on the cross to enable you and I to just cope in life. Jesus died on the cross to make you a more than a conqueror. He didn't just give you the ability to cope, to manage, to get by, to, to, to muddle through. He said, no, I have died that you may be more than a conqueror. He was a conqueror. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He conquered the works of the enemy. And he says, now you are more than a conqueror through Christ. So every situation, you have the ability to walk in forgiveness. You have the ability to forgive the person who once wronged you, but you've held on to it and they've stolen from you. The enemy has stolen from you for the rest of your life. You have the ability. Why? Because you are more than a conqueror. You can forgive that person today. You can. You can do it. And that moment that you choose to forgive, you say, I've separated myself from the past so that I can move forward. 
But if you can't forgive, you may feel, it's like a great big elastic band on your back. You may feel like you're pulling away, but actually, every time there's a situation, it pulls you back into that issue. You're, you're moving, up, moving forward slowly, and the tension on the elastic band is hard. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 12, let us lay aside every sin and every weight that so easily besets us or ensnares us that we may run this race with endurance. The reason why we're struggling at times with this race of our Christianity is because we kept getting pulled back to the start where it all began. We kept, keep getting pulled back to the hurt where it all began. We keep getting pulled back to that moment in our mind, in our feelings. We may hear a song. We may smell a smell. We may eat a dinner. And it pulls us back to this moment when that happened or that thing was said. And Jesus today, I believe, wants to set you free. I believe it was for freedom that Christ has come to set us free. He, 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 that's the reason he came. He set us free from the works of the enemy. He set us free from the, the condemnation that we could be under. He set us free from those things that have held us. Today, you can enjoy freedom in Christ. We are more than conquerors. You know, I put this, these thoughts down here. Dealing with our everyday knocks in life can begin to take its toll on our lives through a root of bitterness or rejection or unforgiveness. They can begin to take hold. But it's vital that we deal with the issues that have managed to get deep down in the depths of our soul where strongholds are formed and breakthrough is needed. We need to deal with these things or else you'll get to a stage in your life You've got further into your life and you're still holding onto the thing that happened when you were eight years old. And you're now 18 and now you're 28 and now you're 58. But that same thing that happened when you were eight still holds on to the grip of your life. Jesus wants you free. You may be married 10 years, something happened, bang, unexpected. And every time you want to be close, you want to be intimate with each other, there comes this moment and it's like, no, I, I can't move on from here. But Jesus said, it was for freedom that I have come to set you free. This is such a key word for breakthrough. I, I wanted to preach this word before we do Wednesday night because Wednesday night is about glorifying Him and allowing the battle to rage where God deals with it. But, 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 but before we can get there, the internal of the breakthrough needs to happen. Your internal, that internal battle that has raged over and over, we need to deal with it and bring it before the cross. You can be free from the pain that you've carried for years. And I don't say this lightly as just a word that I preach. There have been things from, from when I was young, from when I was a teenager, from when I was in my 20s. There are things that have, could have carried for years. I saw my breakthrough. The moment that we were sat watching snooker in my living room and I was watching a game of snooker and the love of God, I wasn't really walking with God, I wasn't really connected that 
deeply with God. I was just a very, very shallow Christian. But the love of God that came from Jane in that moment, watching snooker, Jimmy White and, and probably Steve Davis at the time, it was, it was a moment, I, I, suddenly the snooker meant nothing to me. And what I encountered, not Jane's love, I encountered the love of God that was shed for me. And that love at that moment melted me. I cried. I hadn't cried for years. I cried for two and a half hours as God took this hard heart that had just rebelled and stood against everyone and, 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 and built up walls against everybody in my life. Everything came tumbling down and I was, I, I was, I was just a brand new person. That heart of stone was replaced with a heart of flesh. There was a God encounter, an anointed moment, a, a, a breakthrough that came as I realized how much God loved me and how much He accepted me. And there was an incredible breakthrough moment in my life. You can experience that here and now. I've prayed that the Holy Spirit, as I'm sharing these words, as I've sat there and, and the thoughts have come to me, I believe every week, I believe it has to be God. If you know me, it has to be God that I can get up here every week and preach a different message. It has to be God. But I believe in for the Holy Spirit to, to drop and confirm his word in every heart. It's what I've been praying for you this week. That the Holy Spirit would touch. The, you know, as, as David prayed, search me. Search me. If there's anything in me, search me. That he would deal with the inner workings of our life. Not just leaving us with a scratch in our head, what do I do now? But an answer to those prayers and a freedom that comes from that, you know, the, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Free indeed. If, you, if you've got that elastic band just hanging on the back of your shirt, do you know what? He comes along this morning with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and He removes that elastic that keeps pulling you back in. He removes that chain that has kept you bound. He removes that and enables you. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed in our lives today. Matthew, I love, I don't, how many of you love Peter in the Bible? He's just, he's just such a good character. And, and, and I guess all of us can learn great lessons. And, and from this particular scripture, I, I, I just love Peter's heart. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, then Peter came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, how many how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? You know, so it's a brother's, it's one of the 12, it's one of the, 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 the 90 or 70 or, or 120. It was, it was someone who was close to him in this group that Jesus had. How many times, if my brother sins, how many times should I forgive him? Should it be up to seven I just love this. You know, it's the same thing. You know, Jonathan, you know, he, he's, he, he comes into my house. He walks all over the house with his shoes on. How many times must I forgive him? Up to seven times? That's the sort of thing that Peter's asking. It's like, Jesus scratches his head and thinks, why, why, why have I picked you, Peter? You're just a great example for years to come of what we are like as human beings. And then Jesus said to him, I do not say to you, up to seven times, 
but up to 70 times 7, 490 times for the same mistake, for the very same issue, I have to keep on forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. It's a beautiful example. And do you know what? In a husband and wife relationship, what do we do? We keep forgiving. In a church relationship, don't just get bent out of shape with someone and say, well, that's it. I'm going to move and go to another church or I'm going to make it so unpleasant for them. Or, or Let's keep forgiving. Just as a natural family would just keep forgiving, less as the body of Christ, the household of faith, let's just keep forgiving one another in our walk with him. And Jesus takes this moment in Peter's life not only to say, come on, Peter, get a grip, not just seven times, 490 times for the same thing. And then he goes on to teach what it really looks like for you and I as kingdom people to walk with this level of forgiveness in our lives. So I want us to continue to read in Matthew 18, verse 23 to 35. There are three people that Jesus in this passage begins to highlight. Just three. There's God, there's me and you, and then there's someone else. All right? As we read this passage, think of it that way. He's talking about God, he's talking about me, and he's talking about the whosoever may be in my life. Let's read this passage. Verse 23 says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like. So as kingdom people, as people who love God, walk with God, this is how it should be. A certain king, God. Okay, that's who he's referring to. A certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant or deal with their lives. And, um, and when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought before him who owed 10,000 talents. That's you and me. Right right now, the king is God. The person who has this debt is you. In fact, this, this 10,000 talents is more than you could earn in all of your life. There is absolutely no way that you could pay your debt. We may have sinned a little or we may have sinned big, but the wages of sin was death. It was beyond our dealing with. So here in this situation, the king is dealing with his accounts, and one is brought before him who cannot in any way or any chance pay his debt. So in verse 25 he says, But as he was um, not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold, his wife, his children, and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him that debt. Do you know what, what happened at the cross when you acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and your master, who the one who, who the only one who could forgive you your debt? And forgive you of the journey of your life. It is exactly what happened here. Jesus was moved with compassion. And he went to the cross. 
He released you from your debt and he forgave you your debt. He released you and he forgave you. You have been released from the consequences and you have been forgiven that debt. And in the mind of God, it no longer exists. That's wonderful news. That's the gospel of, the, the gospel of salvation. That is the good news. We couldn't pay it. He paid it for us. He wiped the slate clean. But this is how we deal in life. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's about 200 days wages. And he laid hands on him and he took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. That sounds familiar. And he would not. And he went and threw him in the prison till he should pay the whole debt. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like this. To the measure in which we are forgiven by God, which is total, is the measure of how you and I need to forgive one another in the journey of our life. I didn't say it's easy, but it's necessary. Because the kingdom of heaven is saying it. Not my preach, not my thoughts, but it's a kingdom principle. Then it goes on and says this. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? Listen to this. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father would do to you if you do not do the same from his heart. Does not... Sorry. So my heavenly father would, will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother for his trespass. That's shockingly hard. He's handed us to the torturer. What is the torturer? I don't believe it's the work of the enemy. I believe it's the result of unforgiveness. I don't believe that Jesus would hand us over to the enemy. But what I do believe is he'll hand us over until we've dealt with that unforgiveness and the consequences of unforgiveness in our life. What are the consequences of unforgiveness in our life? There are many. Anxiety and worry. Fear. Disillusionment. Frustration. Ulcers and stress. Depression. Depression, in some cases, is anger turned inward. When anger turned inward is in your life, it begins to destroy you from the inside. Unhappiness, fatigue, oppression, and the list can go on of what unforgiveness, the consequences of unforgiveness can have in our life. So what we're dealing with here is an internal issue of immense consequences. An internal issue 
that carries a weight that none of us should be paying. And I believe that's why Jesus said, forgive like I've forgiven you, so you must do. The Bible never says that you forgive and then you make friends with the person that you've forgiven. It doesn't say that. But what it does say is that you forgive so that you can move on. Because until you've forgiven, you will never move on. It will not happen. You may get a few steps forward, but it will pull you back. You will get a bit further, but it will always pull you back to that place. When we carry unforgiveness, we open the, wo- open the door for the enemy to move. I'm going to share a scripture with you that I believe is vital. Vital for couples in their marriage, vital for families, but vital in our relationship with one another and vital in circumstances that we may have gone through. I've prefaced with this. Whenever you go to bed carrying anger and unforgiveness or any other unresolved issue that is festering away on the inside, we give place for the enemy to create a foothold and before long he'll have a stronghold. Ephesians 4, verse 26 and verse 27. I love the way the Amplified actually words this. It says this, be angry at sin. I love that. Most, most translations puts it away in which you think, oh, really? But here it says it's so clear. Be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge, including unforgiveness, or nurturing anger, or harboring resentment, or cultivating bitterness. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. The Bible couldn't have said it any clearer. This is the inspired word of God of God. Do not give place to the enemy by holding on to those things. A grudge, harboring resentment, walking in unforgiveness, cultivating bitterness. Do not do it. Because if you do, you enable the enemy to get a foothold, to develop a stronghold, and then you need a significant breakthrough in your life. I know, this is, I know that this is a powerful word and I know God is speaking into many hearts. And those things, like I say, may have gone back to when you were a child. It may have been something that happened in somebody else's life, but you've struggled to forgive them. I, I listened to a testimony in this week and I can't remember the exact details, but it was of a grandparent... A grandparent, I believe, who was staying or babysitting in a family's home. And an intruder came into the home whilst they were there. And um, the intruder... I'm not conscious there are children in the room. I wish I hadn't gone down this path now. Um, The intruder um, eliminated those that were in the house. And then 
the, the, children, uh, the, the children of the mother, grandparent who was looking after them, there was such regret that they weren't there, that they weren't there to help and all the rest of it. They caught the person who did it, they went to trial, and as they were being tried for many years, um, the mother of the child and the daughter of the parents said, I choose to forgive. That's never going to be an easy thing to do. I choose to forgive. And because of that moment, they went away, they prayed, they spent time with the pastor. The pastor walked with them, and helped them, supported them. And, and they just felt in their hearts as a couple that they ought to join the prison ministry. At first, the prison ministry was just praying for people um, in, in the church hall, praying for their well-being. And, and then eventually, um, that developed and it grew, and um, they, the church started to do a visitation to the prison um, in their state. And as a couple, they decided that that was going to be right for them to do, and they went into the prison, and they were praying for inmates and, and this, that, and the other. And it happened that the pastor, I don't know quite the connection, but he found out that the person who did the atrocity was actually in that prison. And he went to visit him and he said, I want you to know that there is a couple who come into this prison and are praying and have prayed for you for 38 years. 38 years. And the guy... Couldn't believe it, obviously. But they encountered a, a meet together. And that soul gave their life to the Lord. Had they have not forgiven, that doorway may never have opened. They may never have joined the team. They may never have been praying for 38 years. They may never, they may never, they may never. It's amazing the chain of events that can happen in a person's life. Or, God forbid, because we choose not to forgive, those chain of events never take place. And their salvation is hindered by that moment because you've never forgiven. We have such a responsibility to forgive and to be forgiven in the journey of our life. I just want to close with these couple of thoughts. Close the door of your heart so that the enemy no longer has a room where he can feed on that unforgiveness and create strongholds. And because I believe today, today I believe that the key, the key is in the lock and I've unlocked the door. I believe the word, that's how powerful I believe today has been. And I know that there was things in my heart as I was sharing and preparing and I'm speaking it out over my life and over our family. And there was things in my, I believe this is the key in the door. But our responsibility is to take a hold of that key and open it. Jesus has given us the keys. We believe that, don't we? He's given us the keys. The key is in the door. Will you open the door and walk through? Because that moment that you walk through, 
your freedom begins. I mean true freedom. See, we can all stand at the door. Jesus said, yeah, I stand at the door and knock, but he was waiting for, for someone to open that door. That isn't an invitation to non-believers. That's an invitation for you as a believer. I stand and, at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship and sup with him. Today, the opportunity is there. The key is in the door. Will you unlock that door and journey through? The, the, you unlocking that door, you're saying to the enemy, I'm not going to allow you to keep me captive. I'm not going to allow you to hold me in bondage any longer. I'm not going to allow my past to rob me of my future. I'm not going to allow these things any longer to have authority over my life. Because whom the Son sets free... Come on, let's say that nice and loud together. Whom the Son sets free... Come on, let's say it again. Because I believe some people in the room need to believe it. And by saying it, you begin to believe what you say. Whom the sun sets free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that every word that has been spoken, I just believe, is a word in season. Father, a word in season. I pray, Lord, that this word, it just won't be a word that is preached on Sunday. I pray, Lord, that we would send it far and wide on, on, on Facebook, on, on Twitter, on whatever, WhatsApp, that this word would go into the hearts of many. And Lord, we would see a move of God in our lives so that we can walk free from the grip that the enemies held us in. Right now, today, you may be here and this may be your first time in church. This may be the first opportunity that you've ever had where, where, where you've walked into a church. Most weeks, we pray what I call a prayer of introduction, introducing you to Jesus, just to connect you with Jesus. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never invited him into your heart, if you've never acknowledged him as Lord and Savior, I want to pray a very simple prayer today. And I want you to pray after me. Everyone's going to pray out loud. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but everyone's going to pray this prayer. And if you pray this sincerely in your heart and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, then I'm just going to ask you at the end to pop up your hand and pop it back down. So let's just pray this together today. Jesus, I thank you that you died on a cross to set me free. And today, the words that I've heard, I choose to be free. I choose you, Jesus, and I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Redeem my life from destruction. And give me a brand new start. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. While every head is bowed. And every eye closed in this room today. You know what God said to you. You know what this message means to you. But today, if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask for a response from you. If you prayed it sincerely this morning, I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand and then pop it back down. Just as an acknowledgement that you're asking Jesus into your life. We've got some material, a Bible, and 
some other bits and pieces we'd like to give to you. So if that's you, one, two, three. If you prayed that prayer today and you're asking Jesus to come into your life or you're coming back to God, just give us a wave. Put your hand up, pop it back down. If there's anybody in this room, you say, yes, that's me. That's me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just going to count down from five. If it's you, I just I don't want you to miss this moment. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I pray for everybody in this congregation here today. I pray, Lord God, that the word that's been shared this morning, Lord, it will... It won't be stolen by the work of the enemy. It won't come along and, and the seed of your word be pecked away by the, the crows of the air. But Father, that the word will endure in our hearts and bring transformation to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.